let me tell that also about being a patient and a doctor. Sure. Not only expressing and feeling emotion, but also the intervention and the help of the ergonomist. Having felt how a doctor could hit me with character analysis, he touched some chords of me and the emotion went out freely as a consequence. Or he touched me physically. He pressed on my masseter or my neck and he got me to have feelings like crying, deep crying. Or making me breathe and having also an emotional uh, um, liberation thanks to that. Also this has helped me, has helped me to become an ergonomist and to be better in contact with my patients. I have felt all the interventions of my doctor. So I know what I'm doing with my patients because I already had the experience. Welcome to In Contact with the ACO. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Each month, we feature a case presentation, interview, or discussion by one or more of our doctors who practice a different kind of psychiatry. We're interested in your questions and comments, and I would love to hear your feedback. Send an email to aco at orgonomy.org. If you're interested in attending one of our webinar presentations, you can meet the doctors and join in on the discussion afterwards. You can connect with us and learn more at orgonomy.org or a different kind of psychiatry.com. This episode features an interview with Dr. Alberto Foglia. I asked Dr. Foglia about how he first developed an interest in orgonomy, how he decided to become a physician, and his thoughts on the doctor-patient relationship. The big question is, is how did you end up where you are now, you know? <laughs> Simple. Where did it begin? <laughs> it began on a train. Together with my brother, we read an article on a newspaper, on an Italian newspaper, uh-huh. uh, where Eva Reich, daughter of Reich, talked about his father and his uh, accomplishments. We were How old impressed. were you, Dr. Folia? I, I was 23. 23. Mm-hmm. I was in medical school. My dream was to become a neurosurgeon. And uh, in that trip, I was traveling to the town where I studied in the university. So we got this article where Eva Reich uh, spoke about uh, uh, mass fascism, uh, mass psychology of fascism. At that time, I come from a generation where in the 70s, we all were involved in politics. We felt miserable. Our life was not good for many reasons. And we thought at that time that politics would change the world and ourselves. So mass psychology of fascism, this title, catch our attention. So what did we do? We bought the book and we read it and it was fascinating. It was for me the opening of the sky. 
It was a, a new way of seeing uh, politics, fascism, uh, mankind evil in a completely different way. Can you imagine, after this book, my brother and I, we left the group of politics we were involved, of course, uh, leftist, of course, but at that time we were all leftist. We left the course and our friends were amazed. What did you do? Why do you leave? Both of you, we read Wilhelm Reich, now we go to read Reich and we don't care anymore about politics. So it was a marvelous experience. After this book, I read the book of Reich one after the other. It was a, a very, very nice experience. Wow. Yes. It, it was really awesome. sounded like the, it was just, you know, changed on a dime, you know? Yes, yes, yes. I tell you, after reading character analysis, I decided this will be my job. Even before doing therapy myself, I said, I want to become an ergonomist. So I left all my dreams of being a surgeon and uh, I contacted Dr. Camarella in Italy. No, this was after that. Before I went through a lot of neo-Reichian, pseudo-Reichian therapies, crazy stuff, crazy, until... I found Dr. Camarella, who at the time was a doctor of the American College of Ergonomy. And finally, I had my real organ therapy. Wow. Finally, yes. And um, I'm curious just to hear a little bit more when you say that, you know, it was kind of everyone was looking toward politics to solve kind of humanity's problems. Yeah. In whatever level that you feel comfortable what what does that mean exactly uh, what, what was going I on was, i was miserable because of a failed love affair my love uh, was broken and i felt miserable and uh, i put my misery and the misery of the other of the humanity together and found uh, 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 solution politics leftist politics uh -huh. So that the world will be better, everything will be wonderful, uh, really a, a dream. It was a dream. Uh, only after 50 years, I, I saw Dr. Konya call it um, fantastic, a fantastic, a fantastic ideology or a fantastic uh, uh, pseudo um, like a dream, like a, like a, a dream of young, uh, uh, contactless, sick people. With the seed of that deep longing for a better yes. love life, a better work yes. life. Yes. Wow. With that deep longing, I was going on the wrong way. So as many, many young people, they were losing themselves. Mm. And the same happened to the neo-Russian groups. I had this dream that was coming in, in realization when I read Reich. And what, what happened to me? I finished in these stupid groups. But I was losing myself. And many, many young people took that wrong path in search of their deep longing, you know, or in politics or in these pseudo new age therapies, they were losing themselves. And this happened to many, many young of my age. Mm. Lost their path. 
Well, what what you're saying about your experience in the '70s is still happening. I'm 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 very sad about that. It's like the how do you call in in English the um, magic pifferaio, the the magic. There is a, a famous tale of the magic. Uh, the piper. It's a it's a, a magician. That with his instrument, he, he could call all the rats of the town. And so he freed the town from the rats. The people didn't pay him. What did he do? He, he played his instrument and all the kids came with him. The, yes. the Pied Pipers, I believe the name, and what I, I think what Reich, um, he called them the freedom peddlers, you know, okay. someone who promises you salvation. Yes. In a political yes. way, in a religious yes. way. Yes. They take us children and destroy our dreams in giving us the illusion that they are the dream. It's wow. really, really painful. Yeah. Yes. And, and were, were any of your um, friends and um, people at the time able to see what you saw when you read Reich and heard Eva Reich? Nobody. Hmm. Nobody. We were just my brother and me. My brother got with me involved in these new age groups and he didn't get out of them. I got out. I felt it was not what I wanted. Mm. And finally I found Dr. Camarella at last. My brother came only a couple of years later. I see. You see, in this search, you can get lost at any stage early on uh, in the middle road or at the end of the road uh, you can get lost well i think what you're alluding to is that it's not easy to address one's own emotional problems oh you are touching a problem that is in, on my heart uh, romeo and juliet romeo and juliet for me are the uh, um, model of genitality it's like a like an ideal uh, genitality young people, mm -hmm. genital young people. Millions of young people like that. Can you imagine? And the, the tragedy, and it is also a fine tragedy, is not that you kill them, you punish them, you just don't care. The society is taken by, by their problems. In that case of Shakespeare, they were involved in family feud. So they didn't care. They didn't know, and we don't know how precious is the uh, life of the young people. How society should uh, uh, protect genitality in the children and in the young people. And follow them through this path. And not just let them go. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to take the real path. Where are you, by the way, when you're talking about where you're growing up and um, doing your studying? Where is that? It was in Switzerland. I come from the southern part of Switzerland, and my university was in the northern part. I see. So that was a famous train trip, one of the many train trips from my home to the university. I see. Yeah. And, and so... Um, we're talking about how society views, you know, young people's love lives and, and the difficulties. 
um, you know, we talk about the United States a lot about how it used to be very authoritarian and repressive, and now it's kind of this anything goes anti-authoritarian. What is it like where you are? I I grew up in a in an authoritarian era that was becoming to lose authority. So I grew up uh, probably a little bit. Uh, I was leaving what in America was in the 60s, the beginning of the anti-authoritarian revolution. I see. Rebe rebellion, the beginning. So I was lucky to have a, a, um, a repressed structure and enjoying the, the freeing of the repression. Yeah. You see yet the catastrophical consequence of this anti-authoritarian rebellion. I see. And, and today, so today, the story of Shakespeare would be completely different. These two young people would be overcharged with pornography, with uh, 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 false idea, with uh, gender stuff. Uh, they would got even more confused than we got. Even yeah. more. Yeah, as tough as you know, puberty was even for me. In I guess it was the '90s. I cannot imagine what it's like for an adolescent right now. Everything is much more confusing. Oh. Um, you know, before you had something to rebel against. It was black and white. You know, this is the right thing. This is the wrong thing. Even yes. if that wasn't really the the truth of what was you know quote morally right and wrong, it was at least some structure to yes. fight against or be within. You know. Yes. Wow. Now you understand nothing anymore. And is Switzerland now similar to how the United States is? Uh, not that bad. So it's all not that chaotic. But nice. it's coming. It's coming. No nice. doubt. Yes. Just to go back a little bit, you mentioned first the mass psychology of fascism by Reich. Yes. And then you made it sound like reading character analysis cemented your... Um, decision to become a, a psychiatrist, yes. medical ergonomist. What was it about character analysis that, that stood out to you? Do you recall? Uh, I remember my brother helped me a lot. He told me, read the first 200 pages. It is a lot of psychoanalysis. It, it's a bit uh, boring and heavy to read, but read it. After that, we will uh, breathe. And it was like that. I was constant enough to read all the psychoanalytic introduction, and then I came on character and energy and the movement of plasma. I was taken by that. that mm. I, I, I connected immediately the movement expansion and contraction to the amoeba because a few weeks before, I saw in a big screen at the university a moving amoeba. At that time, it was a, a wonderful modern image in all this uh, big round uh, room. You see this uh, gigantic amoeba uh, moving her, uh, plasma, her cytoplasma around. It was for me fascinating. After a few weeks, I read uh, this amoeba expand and contract, and this is the beginning of this of a psychic experience already in this primitive organism. I was taken by that. I was. So are you I, saying I, it was just I, by I chance? Say again? Are you saying it was just by chance that you happened to be seeing this in your studies, the amoeba? Probably, probably I would have felt in love with character analysis anyway. 
but the connection with the amoeba was one. But the emphasis that that stood out from that particular observation, you know, wow. Yes, the <laughs> movement of the plasma and of the energy at the root of our uh, expansion. Or I, I immediately understood contraction anxiety, uh, sexuality and pleasure expansion. I immediately got that. And I, I liked it. it yeah. I felt like put in words what I have felt. That's a similar experience um, to what what I and I think some others I've talked to in reading Reich. You had this feeling that you couldn't quite put into words, or and, you know he exactly. found the words to uh, exactly. describe your experiences. Exactly. You had the same. Yes. Yes. You had the same. Yes. Yeah. For for me, someone gave me um, uh, Orson Bean's book. Yeah. Um, in the Oregon, and then from there, I expanded in Red oh, Rice. You are too a son of Orson Bean. Yes. <laughs> yeah. he, he brought a lot of people with his book. Yeah. yeah. It was just so simple and uh, to the point, you know, and, and yeah. just. Uh, what was your experience like in training then for you? Um, so you're in, in the 80s then training as a doctor, or that was the 70s? In the 80s. I finished my, I began my therapy. I did my therapy with Dr. Camarella in Nice for, uh, for, before in Rome and then in Nice, France. And uh, I finished my medical school. I did the psychiatric uh, residency with a lot of pain because I didn't like it. And then uh, I already knew when I am a psychiatrist, I will go to America, to the American College of Orgonomy. And I did so. And for me, it was poor. It was yeah. a marvelous experience. Yes. Yes. C can you say something? You know, it, it was tr tradition, especially when psychoanalysis was largely what uh, psychiatry did. Psychiatrists were both patients and doctors, and, and that's how the ACO um, does their training. You know, we're all in our own yeah. therapy, and that, that's um, important for us as, as doctors. Can you say more about maybe how that influences your view of the patient, you know, who's struggling to deal with their own feelings? I have to say that I began therapy for me. So I, I went to therapy full as a patient. Doctor, I need your help. Please help me, free me from my uh, armor, mm, uh, allow me to expand more. So I was a patient. And then, uh, during that period, I decided also to uh, make the, uh, the same and to help people to have the same feeling that I had, because I was very much helped by therapy. I have received a lot from therapy, so I was happy to do the same for other people. So it has never been a problem for me to make therapy myself and to do therapy to other patients. It is a help. It is for me, you cannot do without. If you don't feel what you feel on the couch, you cannot work on other people and on their feeling. If you don't realize rage, pain, sufferance, anxiety on the couch, you cannot pretend to go to patient and let them feel the same. I, I agree with you. And... and um... It, it can be even dangerous because you, you can study everything intellectually, 
but it's different when you feel it. Yeah. And so it's, it's very different when you feel the passion raging. Is he raging in the right way? Is this doing him good? Or is this harming him? When you do the same in yourself, uh, it's easier to understand. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And um, I think these days, um, you know, there's less, quote, stigma than ever about mental health, but there's also more distance from, you know, real emotional um, feeling. Um, yeah. At least in the United States right now, it's about eliminating anxiety or painful feelings or calming things down, you know, if they're too excited. We uh, are coming on the same. Yeah. Cognitive, cognitive, cognitive. There is no un unconscious anymore. It's all uh, uh, behaviorism. It's all very good, explained uh, chemically, biochemically, uh, neurophysiologically. Uh, and it's not true. If you, if you read what they read, when they put together neurophysiology and uh, emotions, you, 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 you have the feeling that they are, they are disconnected. You have the feeling that you are reading with people who are uh, dissociated. They yeah. are talking of two different things and they put them together and it has no sense. You know, it's funny. I don't know what made me do this, but recently I typed in emotions in Wikipedia just to see how it's yeah. described. And there's one sentence that says, according to Wikipedia, we don't know. And then there's like, you know, pages and pages of, of stuff. Exactly. And You're right. You're right. <laughs> they don't know. They have no idea. But that, that's been invaluable to me personally to have an understanding of, of what is anxiety, you know, what is an emotion and how are they blocked and how they manifest. I mean, I, I would feel like I'm going in blind to try to help a patient with an emotional problem if I don't even have a clear understanding of what an emotion is and how that's experienced. Yes, yes. But that's what they do. And you know, you, you are younger, you have uh, the luck of being younger <laughs> and of a new generation. And I think that ergonomy has changed. When I was your age, I, could, I didn't dare to go out and show the difference. Uh, and I, I think I was right. We were not yet so prepared as today. Today, I feel we are much stronger than 20, 30 years ago. We know much better and we are ready to offer this knowledge to the other. Dr. Foley, do you mean, for instance, you having these uh, great experiences, being able to help patients and your own experience in therapy, being helped so much, not evangelizing to your colleagues and your friends. And no, no, both, yes. Yeah. Both. Now I can speak to doctors, to colleagues, to psychiatrists and, and to other uh, specialists. I can uh, speak much more freely be, be, uh, compared to before, not because of them, but because of us. We are much more prepared than before. I see. We have uh, accomplished a lot at the college. Yeah. yeah. What, is, what is the reception when, you, when you're talking to another psychiatrist or a family doctor? At a, a patient? Much, much more uh, respect than in the past. I see. I got a lot of respect now. Mm. I don't have yet young people that want to become ergonomists. But I hope, I hope soon they will come. 
but I have much more respect than before. Wow. Yes. And what, what do you see as having changed um, where you are? I have uh, studied, 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 many, many years of study. Things become more clear, more clear, more clear. The contact is deeper, is deeper, is deeper. Uh, and we had also some knowledge more than in the time of Reich and later Becker. We have uh, realized, for, for example, how much Becker brought to the um, theory of ergonomy. Uh, yeah. We used probably to underestimate his work. With the years, we have understood how much he brought into the theory of psychiatry and sociology. He made an enormous step, little but enormous. And I continue to think that we miss the Becker of biology and physics. We need a future Becker that give us this little step more for biology and uh, uh, physics. I see. Um, you know, just going back, I'm actually curious, even before you read um, Reich, how did you end up deciding on medicine in the first place? Do you mind sharing? Oh, sure. I decided to become a doctor when I was three years old. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Say that, say that again. I wanted to be a medical doctor at the age of three. I want to hear this. One, two, three. Uh, I don't remember that. My parents told me that my grandfather was sick and he had a tumor on the skin. And every time I went to visit him, I went to look at the tumor. Please, uh, Grandpa, let me see, let me see. And I was three years old. I went there studying his tumor. I loved it. So the, that your curiosity, it sounds like, really came out in that experience. Yes, yes. Hmm. You know, that stands out to me. Um, when I interviewed Dr. Marcel, her curiosity came out. And I think that's something we tend to share. Yeah, uh, very interesting. Yeah. Very, and you make me think at the problem of the young people now. I meet a lot of young people because um, I have a lot of contact. Uh, and I meet a lot of young people. And many of them are curious about psychology. And I tell them, if you really want to study psyche, you have to become a doctor. You cannot go to study only psychology. I don't know how it is in America, but here they study, they teach you or the modern uh, cognitive psychology or the mechanistic uh, uh, wires, electrical uh, uh, neurophysiology uh, of psyche. Yeah. And I think that they do like the pipe men. They took the curiosity of the young people and they bring them out of park. Mm. And I tell the young people, don't let your curiosity be uh, uh, kept, uh, cut. Stifled. Stifled? Uh, stifled in this wrong way. Mm. Yeah, wow. If you study medicine, at least, at least, you are in, in, a better, in a better position. Yeah. If you study psychology, you go the wrong path. That's my opinion. Can you say more about how you see the, the importance of becoming a physician and understanding um, more than just the, what's modern psychology is, you know? Yes. 
the physician has have an emotional and physical contact with patient. He learned from the beginning to take care somatically and emotionally of his patients, not only one or the other, but both. And I think that this is very important. I think, you know, that's interesting that you say that because um, I don't know if, if the general public sees a physician as tending to both their physical and emotional uh, needs right now, the way things have developed. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, there has been this, this dissociation where psychology, social worker, and so on take care of the, of the emotions and doctors take care of the, of the molecules. And this is very wrong. This is, no. this is uh, the cluelessness of today. It's, it's uh, really very, very uh, uh, catastrophical for me. Yeah. It used yeah. not to be like that. It was not like that before. Even if you study the history of psychiatry, psychiatry until uh, First World War, was a wonderful, uh, wonderful science. It was making a lot of wonderful progress. Today is not so. Today we have made wonderful progress in biochemistry, but not in psychiatry, not in understanding uh, psyche, emotions, and yeah. the connection because, uh, between body and mind. Yes, we have wonderful pills that help people being less anxious but that's all right and I, I think if i'm hearing you correctly you agree with me generally that it's nothing morally bad about using medicine and they can be tools that can be helpful for a patient at times sure. Sure. Um, but but to stop there and say that's it that's i think where you and i would agree that there, there's more to it exactly exactly for example i don't know how it is in america here i have seen many schizophrenic patients uh, severe schizophrenic they told me that once the doctors say schizophrenia, for them it's, last, it's, it's like cancer at the last stage. You can do nothing anymore. Mm. For me, it's the beginning of a walk. For them, it's finished. Give him a pill and let him survive. Yeah. And that's not the case. Even for severe schizophrenia. Yeah. You can do yeah, it. It completely dashes any hope someone has. Exactly, exactly. So it does curiosity and hope. Ugh. It, it does life. Yeah. That's life. That's the evil. You know what I think of? Um, um, I think it was Dr. Christ who turned me on to Bruno Bettelheim's book. Um, the uh, translation. The no the. Um, the translation of Freud. And, yes, and, yes, yes, yes. And, and just the word psyche. Uh, if you ask most people when they hear the word psyche, they assume that means mind exactly. or brain. And it means soul. I mean, yes, yes. In the past, they were much more functional than today. They, watched, they were much more near the, the, the accomplishment at the end of, of the 19th century, they, they, they were in a wonderful position, not only in psychiatry, but also in physics, in biology. It was a wonderful period. That's why many authors call the First World War the suicide of Europe. Mm. It was a suicide. From then on, 
begin the disaster, began the disaster. And you can see that in psychiatry. Before World War I, we have two giants, Bloiler in psychiatry, Freud in psychology. Both uh, put things together and accomplished uh, with schizophrenia psychiatry, with hysteria uh, psychology and Freud. And they were almost uniting themselves, but they couldn't. They didn't have enough uh, um, theory. Something was missing to unite them. We have to wait until Becker, Reich and Becker with the ocular block to unite psychoanalysis and psychiatry. But after World War I, instead of accepting the theory of the young Reich, they went into crazy, mystical or mechanistic direction, much worse than before. Yeah. So they invented the lobotomy, and then they invented the ego psychology. They, they shifted from the mystical to the mechanistic in a, in a tragic way. And today we have the result. Yeah, yeah. The theory are mechanomystical. I, I would say, Dr. Connie is right, clueless. The chaos. Yeah. They are not, not even mystical and mechanistic. They are a mix-up. Yeah, that makes me think of just, you know, sometimes like Medscape or different um, organizations that send news and, and research to doctors will have a new medicine that has this, oh, this is the on the horizon. There, there's always this mystical, optimistic sound to anything as if it's going to be the, the big cure-all, you know? Yeah, yes. Um, I have an example about psychopharmacology. I, I, I use psychopharmaca. They can be very helpful. But, for example, in the 90s, they invented this modern antidepressant, the serotoninergic. Uh, antidepressants, they were much better than, than the old one. I used, I, I worked them in a psychiatric hospital, and in few months, I saw the population of patients changing completely, thanks to this medication. We didn't have any longer uh, the middle and the low and the, and the moderate depression. We didn't have, say, neurosis anymore. Suddenly, we had only severe psychiatric patients. All the, the moderate and the um, slight depression and psychiatric problems were cured by their uh, uh, home doctors, family doctors, uh -huh. thanks to the, these antidepressants. So they really changed psychiatry. But what did we see after that? First, people gave uh, antidepressants to everybody for the minimal problem, didn't work with the patients anymore, and last but not least, this but not last, or last but not least, <laughs> last but not least, after 20, 30 years, this medication lose effect. I, have, I am old, so I could see many of my older patients taking antidepressant, suddenly, in few months, precipitating to the older symptoms of 30 years before, 30 years before. Huh. That's very, very interesting. Many of them, I told them, now I don't give you any medication anymore. Uh, I don't want to put you even more medication. If you want, there is medical organ therapy. Many of them 
they've made a wonderful experience. Mm. After 30 so, years of medication. It, it was the opportunity to, to have them get, get more, you know? Yes, yes. And it was the experience of an old ergonomist. Oh, only as an old ergonomist, I could see that. And they're there to treat them in medical organ therapy and not only in medication. I see. You know, for some reason that strikes the idea of, of daring, you know, um, right now with the pandemic, um, oh, it just makes me think of just, you know, being daring and trying something for the sake of the patient, um, the practice of, of therapy. What comes to mind is I was talking to, a, I have a, a new adolescent patient and uh, he was hospitalized a few months ago. Even just staying with the patient when they're in crisis or in an emotional upheaval, I think that takes daring, even yes. just in our practices, you know, from day yes. to day. And what I've seen in, in my training, there's a lot of, I got a lot out of my, you know, traditional psychiatric training, even if I needed more, you know, from the American College of Ergonomy and, and, and that um, training. But generally, there's this idea of, there's any risk of any concern, you know, you ship them to the hospital as if that's going to be some magic talisman and completely ignoring the, the downsides of losing that emotional connection with their therapist, their doctor, and, and what that means. You're right. And then and we come back to the uh, question about psychiatry or psychology in learning to treat the patient physically, somatically, and psychically, you learn also to dare. The surgeon is more courageous than the psychiatrist in his everyday work. He cuts, he, he breaks, he, he works with his hands. And uh, uh, the psychiatrist, he dares too. He has to do with uh, crazy uh, expressions, with uh, 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 tremendous uh, despair or tremendous violence of his patients. He got to there. He's obliged to there. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking just in, in terms of being a patient and being a doctor, um, it can be frightening to see these expressions if you don't have some sense of your own expression. Right. Right. And so my sense is that's often what happens when there's a knee-jerk, a reflexive um, intervention, whether that means hospitalization, because it, it just feels so foreign to so many people who, are, who aren't as as in touch with their own feelings and, and those around them as much You're as right. they can be. You're right. They can get scared about uh, sadness. They can get scared about uh, normal uh, uh, aggression. They get, they get scared about the minimal emotional expression of the passion. Like, yeah. I tell you a story of my brother. My brother went in psychoanalysis and uh, he went to this doctor. My brother is a, is a, is a, is a very tough. physical, tough man. Uh, uh, and so he, after some session, he, he told to his doctor, now, doctors, I really, I'm really angry. And the doctor told him, stop, 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 too much material. We stop the session here. <laughs> exactly when something was happening, he stopped. Wow. So, Dr. Foley, this has been wonderful. Are there any other um, thoughts from your experiences that um, you wanted to highlight? I mean, this is this has just been nice to hear from you. 
there is a lot to discuss about, uh, but let me tell that also about being a patient and a doctor. Sure. Not only expressing and feeling emotion, but also the intervention and the help of the ergonomist. Having felt how a doctor could hit me with character analysis, he touched some cords of me and emotion went out freely as a consequence. Or he touched me physically. He pressed on my masseter or my neck and he got me to a feelings like crying, deep crying. Or making me breathe and having also an emotional uh, um, liberation thanks to that. Also this has helped me, have helped me to become an ergonomist and to be better in contact with my patients. I have felt all the interventions of my doctor. So I know what I'm doing with my patients because I already had the experience. Yeah. So. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I agree my, myself, that's been invaluable to me to, to have had that experience so that I can uh, be aware, you know, for that particular patient, where they are and... And, and what you can do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How you can help them. Yeah. Well, thank you. This, this has been really nice. Thank you, Dr. Barit. It was very nice talking to you. It was a great pleasure. How do you feel after hearing Dr. Folia's story and his feelings and thoughts about medical orgone therapy? What do you think? I really enjoyed hearing what he had to say and learning about his perspective. Even through a Skype video call, I could get a real feel for his passion about love relationships and especially about the love lives of young people. I hope you'll check out one of our live monthly webinars. You can connect with us at orgonomy.org or a different kind of psychiatry.com. If you like our work, be sure to leave a rating and review. The best way to help the ACO spread its knowledge is by letting others know about us. You can do it through the Apple Podcast app or through iTunes. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to In Contact with the ACO. Since 1968, a psychiatrist affiliated with the American College of Ergonomy have been helping patients discover greater satisfaction, health, and overall well-being in their lives. Whether patients suffer with mental illness, struggle with addiction, or feel unsatisfied with their work lives or relationships, medical orgone therapy as practiced by the physicians at the ACO offers a way forward, often without the use of medication.